You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Today, whether you're here in the cameo or those of you that are worshiping online, and in case you're new here, we started back in May a series of teachings through the mysterious book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And one of the reasons that we wanted to study this book is because it says in chapter one of the book that there's a blessing for those that read, understand, listen to, and apply the words from Revelation of the Bible, and so it'll help you get through hard times now, and it'll prepare you for the future, and so that's why we said throughout the series, we want to live with the end in mind. We're looking at Revelation so that we can learn to live with the end in mind. Now, let me show you a quick timeline that we've gone by during this series. If you see on the far left-hand side of the timeline that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he rose again from the dead. He instituted what's called the church age, where the church is the presence of God on the earth. Uh, it's the space of grace, we call it. And we believe that, a lot of us believe that in the future sometimes there's gonna be a, something called a rapture where God raptures his kids up to be with him in the air, and then there'll be seven years of tribulation on the earth. Now, let me show you another chart that will reveal more detail. It will zoom in on some of the details of the coming tribulation in the future, according to Revelation. Now, I'm going to break that down later, but suffice it it to say for now that the kingdom is already and not yet. So we're looking for the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is already, and it's not yet. It's here in the now, but it's also going to happen in the future. And so Revelation helps us prepare to live within that kingdom. And today we're going to see seven scenes from uh, the, the kingdom in Revelation chapter 10 and 11. Look at scene one with me where John sees a mighty angel. This comes from Revelation 10, one through three, where John says, then I saw another. So he's evidently seen a lot of angels. And he says, I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. And he planted his right foot in the sea, his left foot in the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. So let me break down a few of the things that we observed in that text. He sees a mighty angel. So this was one of the big boys, okay? This wasn't one of those little angels, but this was a big, powerful angel that had the voice of like a lion. And one of the things that I've noticed this time reading through Revelation is that there's a lot of angels in Revelation. Evidently, there's going to be a lot of angels in end times events. And there are a lot of angels flying around in the air right now that we can't see with our physical eyes. And if you go back to, uh, to, to Hebrews in the Bible, you'll see that when we show hospitality to some strangers, Hebrews says, you're entertaining angels unaware. Do you know that? So some Sometimes you've probably shown hospitality to someone. They were really nice. You didn't know they were a freaking angel right there, right in front of you, okay? Uh, but then other, other angels are ministering spirits, Hebrews says. They're ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit eternal life. And so there have been times where you've probably, you and I have probably been helped by angels and we didn't even know it. They could probably disguise themselves and they've helped us out. 
Um, I've got this friend that was in a car wreck and in the car wreck, her, her car ended up like in a tree and she was like quasi-conscious and she sees this guy come up in the window. He has a blue work shirt on, one of those name badges there and his name said Michael on it. And Michael told her, you got to get out of the car. I can't get out of the car, you know, I'm kind of coming too. And so anyway, Michael helps her get out of the car and she ends up on the side of the road where rescue workers were able to help her. And when they helped her, she said, man, just thank Michael for me, for helping me out. And they're like, what Michael? What are you, ta- what are you talking about? There's no Michael around here. And so to this day, she doesn't know how Michael got her first out of the car which was up in a tree and down the tree and then up the ravine to where the rescue workers were able to save her life. But here's one of the things I want you to understand is that a lot of people have a misconception about angels, okay? Look at this picture of a precious moments angel, okay? Uh, I know your grandma likes precious angels, but I can tell you with a high degree of biblical accuracy, angels do not look like this at all, okay? And I know my mom likes precious angels, you know, um, mom, mother, I'm sorry if you're watching the stream here, but I just got to correct you in front of God and everybody that you don't have the right view of angels. This is not what angels look like, okay? But look, I want to show you what a biblical angel could look like according to Ezekiel. Look at that thing, man. It's like, looks like something from Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, right? It looks like you're in the cantina in Star Wars. But these things can be scary, right? That's why when you see, you read about stories in the Bible where an angel reveals itself to a person, the angel always says, do not be afraid. If I saw that thing, I'd have to be wearing those Depends undergarments. You know what I'm saying? Because these things could be scary, um, scary to death, some of them. And these things are flying around everywhere. They're very powerful and John experience is all through Revelation. But what does this angel have? What's going on with this angel? Look at scene two of our story today, the sweet and sour scroll, Revelation 10, 9. So I went to the angel. So he goes to this big freaky dude, you know, and he's like, and I asked him to give me the little scroll like you do, you know? It's like, I'd be afraid to talk to this thing. And he says, give me the scroll. And he said to me, take it, eat it. It'll turn your stomach sour But in your mouth, it'll be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I'd eaten it, my stomach turned sour. So what's that all about? Well, I can understand what that's about being a pastor. Because see, look, when you're a pastor, you want to bring the sweet parts of the Bible, the encouraging parts, don't you? But what's a little bit harder is to bring the sour parts of the word of God that are, people don't like to hear. When you have to tell people stuff that they, they need to hear, but they don't want to hear. You know what I'm saying? And so here, John, he, it's sour in his stomach because he gets a sweet revelation of God. And throughout the Bible, you see that the word of God is often compared to honey. In fact, even to this day, Jewish rabbis will take a little piece of wax paper, they'll put a drop of honey on it, they'll have their little students lick that honey, and then they'll give them their first Torah because they want to associate that memory of the word of God is something sweet because in the kingdom that's already and not yet, the word of God is important to it. It's sweet to our souls, man. You gotta read the word of God and be living, knowing, and learning the word of God all the time, but it is sometimes sour. And this is what John realizes, that he's gotta bring a word of judgment. You know, Some of us grew up in religious environments where the pastor loved bringing the sour, didn't he? Have you ever been in one of those environments and the guy's always yelling at everybody, telling everybody they're going to hell and talking about judgment all the time and stuff like that? 
And uh, you know, I think that sometimes those guys are really working out their own anger recovery issues on their congregations and stuff. But how many of you know that many, many pastors today only bring the sweet and they just want to encourage people all the time and they never bring correction to people and the reason is because they're working out their recovery issues on their congregations too. They're people pleasers and they're afraid to tell people what they don't want to hear because they're afraid of getting canceled and they ultimately care more about what the people think than what God thinks. But how many of you know that a man of God, the word of God must be brought both sweet and sour. We have to receive both parts of it. You know, I heard this old story about this guy that his pastor would sometimes, he would preach on judgment and hell and the harder parts of the Bible to want to receive and he would receive it from his pastor. And his friend said, hey, man, why do you listen to that guy? Why, why do you receive his teachings when he talks about hell and judgment and stuff? And he said, because when my pastor preaches on hell, he always has tears in his eyes. See, you never bring the correction without love in your heart. And this is the ways of the kingdom that is already but not yet is that we have something in our hearts. It, it breaks our hearts and it broke John's heart that he had to bring us our message because he had love in his heart for the people. But look at scene number three. We're gonna see the tainted temple in Revelation chapter 11, verse one. Excuse me. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for, what's that number? 42 months. So what's all this stuff about the temple and 42 months? Well, let's break it down for just a minute. When I read this verse and I see there that God tells John to go measure the temple, I'm thinking to myself, what temple? Because I happen to know, like some of you, that by the time John wrote Revelation, the temple in Jerusalem had already been destroyed by the Romans. I mean, they had this big, glorious temple that Herod built for him, and it was a big deal, and it was like burned down, broken down to the ground by this time. And so the idea that there would be another temple in Jerusalem was a far-fetched idea by the time John wrote Revelation. Thus, it must be a future temple that will happen in the future. And some of you who have read history know over the years, empire after empire has taken over Jerusalem and marginalized Jewish people there, scattered Jewish people, killed Jewish people. It's a wonder there are any Jewish people left in Jerusalem to want to have a temple, but that is until 1948 when Israel again became a nation. See, now, let me tell you, right now, the Jewish people don't have a physical temple up on the Temple Mount. I want to show you a current picture. If you go to the Holy Land, I've been there to the Temple Mount, and if you go there, you will see on the Temple Mount the Dome of the Rock and another mosque, both controlled by the Muslims. And then you see the Western Wall, which is controlled by the Jewish people. Now, have you ever noticed that 
at, at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, there's very seldom good news coming from there in relationships between the Muslims and the Jews, right? You never see some news story that shows, ah, oh, the Jewish and Muslim people are just hugging it out right here. <laughs> they're in Jerusalem. You never see that story because they're always fighting. Now, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, Bill Clinton was president, and he was trying to work out relations between Muslims and Jews, particularly regarding, you know, stuff in Palestine and also the uh, Temple Mount there. And he was this close to making progress. But can you imagine in the future sometime, there's a winsome leader, more winsome than Bill Clinton, and he's able to get the Jews and the Muslims to agree that the Jews can have a temple up there on the Temple Mount too, and perhaps he will even rebuild it for them. And if someone is winsome enough to get the Jews and the Muslims to agree and get along, they'll be winsome enough to take over the world. And I believe that's going to be the Antichrist. And I believe that there's a prediction or a prophecy about the Antichrist in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, where Daniel says he, the, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant or a deal or a treaty with many for one seven. Let me ask you a question. How long is the tribulation period? Seven years, right? So he'll make a deal for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Let me ask you this. Where does sacrifice and offering happen to Jewish people? In the temple, right? Look at the next sentence. And at the temple, he will set up what's called an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So it could be that the Antichrist is going to set up a treaty that is supposed to last for seven years so that people can get along in Jerusalem. But at the, in the middle of that, something's going to happen. Let me show you the biblical math as it pertains to what's going to happen there in the middle. Look at this next picture and you'll see how John mentions 42 months. John also mentions 1,260 days. Then Daniel says half of seven. All three of those numbers combined, all three of them mean three and a half years, right? According to both John in Revelation and Daniel. So at three and a half years into the treaty, the Antichrist is going to break the covenant. He's going to break the deal. He's going to turn on them. He's going to have deceived them, see? And then he's going to create what's called the abomination, the abomination that uh, causes desolation. So what's an abomination that causes desolation? Well, you know, a bad taco, you know, can cause, you know, Taco Bell or whatever, you know, that can, Taco Hell, it can cause, you know, uh, desolation. But what's going to happen here, there's a foreshadowing that we get in history. After Daniel made that prophecy, some years later, a guy came into power by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. And this was a very bad citizen. I mean, he was such a bad guy. He, you know, his nose, part of his nose fell off, you know, in the statue there. But this, this Greek Hellenistic leader came into the temple in Jerusalem. 
He ransacked it, stole the stuff from the temple. And get this, he sacrificed a pig on the altar. Now, some of you know that Jewish people don't eat bacon because pigs are the most unclean, like this unclean animal. So they, this guy takes an unclean animal and he sacrifices it on their most holy place on the altar in the temple. And this guy named himself Epiphanes and his name, last name that he gave himself means illustrious one or God manifest. So Antiochus set himself up in the temple to be God. And he is a foreshadowing of someone who is to come. Someone who will be far more winsome, more devious, deceptive. The beast, the antichrist, the one whose number is 666 that we'll study about in the coming weeks. So this winsome antichrist will be very powerful and perhaps control the whole world, he's going to have kind of a fly in his ointment. He's going to have an irritant. Let me show it to you. In scene number four of our story today, the fire-breathing witnesses from Revelation chapter 11, look at verse three. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for, there's that number again, 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands and they stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. So these two witnesses, they're clothed in sackcloth, you know, like burlap sacks. And the reason is, is because in ancient Jewish culture, when you would wear the burlap sack or the sackcloth, it meant you were in mourning and these guys are in mourning because they have to bring a sour message of judgment, but they do so with tears in their eyes. And even though they're compassionate and love the people that they're having to speak judgment upon the Antichrist and the evil people of that world that don't want to hear their message in the future will come against them and try and harm them and try and kill them. And they will have to exercise the self-protective gift that God has given them of breathing fire. And I thought to myself, man, I have prayed for that gift. Oh, wouldn't I love to have that gift? And you know what? Can I tell you? God didn't give it to me because he knows he couldn't trust me with it because I would go down to the tax office is what I'd do. And I would tell him, hey, look, man, you keep wanting to raise my property tax. I want you to lower my property taxes. And they'd say, no, Mr. Robbins, we're not going to lower your property taxes. I'd be all, okay, we'll just handle this right here. You're going to lower everybody's property taxes now. I'm just going to burn the whole mother down. You know what I'm saying? Well, then, um, so it's like people from church get out, invite me over. It's like, Pastor Doug, I'm having a barbecue. I need you to light the barbecue. You just put the coals out. Just light it right up, right there. Brisket coming right up, right? So, um, you know, the fire breathing, as fun as it is, it's not going to last because what we see in scene number five, the revenge of the beast. Revelation chapter 11, verse seven. Now, when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. So the beast, the Antichrist, will be allowed to kill the two witnesses 
And all the people on the earth are going to be so glad because the beast killed the two fire-breathing witnesses. But he was not allowed to do that until after they finished their testimony. See? God's in control. He doesn't let anything happen until they finish their testimony. And when I was telling that angel story a minute ago, I was thinking about some of you because I know a lot of your stories and many of you should be dead right now. You know that? You, you can, you, we go across this room and you can tell stories that you were in a car wreck or some other type of accident happened and you should be dead right now or severely maimed at least, but you are not. And you know why? God sent his powerful angels to protect you until you finish your testimony. You're fixing to finish your testimony. So would you turn to someone next to you and tell them, you'll finish your testimony. Just tell them straight up. Good. Finish that testimony. But look at scene number six. See, it seems that Evil has won, and the two witnesses are killed. Their dead carcasses are laying on the ground in Jerusalem. But now we see resurrection hope in Revelation eleven eleven. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. It's like, <gasps> and they stood to their feet, and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies looked on. So remember our chart from earlier about the seven years of tribulation? Let's try and put some of this on a timeline and see if it makes a little bit of sense. You know, when the church is raptured up, that leaves space for the Antichrist to rise up into power. And then the seven seals and trumpets of judgment will be happening. And all the while, the two witnesses are speaking the message of God. And then we get to halfway through the tribulation, the 42 months, the 1260 days, the first half of Daniel's 70 weeks, and the Antichrist kills the two witnesses. And the Antichrist creates the abomination of desolation where he claims to be God in the temple that is on the holy, uh, ho uh, the temple mount. But the witnesses won't stay dead. They are called up. They rise up right in front of the Antichrist and those that meant them harm. And you know what that reminds me of? When they rise up right in front of the enemy. Some of you are thinking about when David said in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right on? So look, no matter what you're going through right now, you can look up because God is preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Look, it doesn't matter if you have some negative Nelly jerkwad at work that is, you know, spewing forth their negativity on you, you can look up because God's preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemy. It doesn't matter if you're depressed. It doesn't matter if you're all stressed out about work or what's going on. You can look up because God is preparing a table for you right there in front of your enemies in the presence of your enemy. It doesn't matter if you've got pandemic fatigue and you're worried that this thing and all these hard times are going to keep going on and on. You can still look 
look up knowing that he's preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Look, even if you lost someone, my wife and I lost a dear friend this past week, a friend from seminary back in the day. Um, she passed away. Her name is Susan last week. And her husband, Henry, is left here. But what Henry knows is that his godly wife is up there now at a table waiting on him because he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And so no matter what you're going through right now, I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them, look up, God's preparing a table for you. Tell them. And that leads us to scene seven, the final scene in our story today. The seventh trumpet from Revelation chapter 11. We'll start with verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Now skip down to verse 18. The nations were angry about this, and your wrath has come, and the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let me go back at the first part of that passage and explain a few things. See, in the kingdom that's already and not yet, it deals with the dead. So all throughout the Bible, there's afterlife. Now, some people focus too much on afterlife and don't talk about like right now and how we have to bring the kingdom here. But remember, the kingdom is already and it's not yet. And a lot of what we see in Revelation is about the dead, it's about future afterlife, see? And I think we have to think about our afterlives. It's not trite to think about your afterlife. I've been inspired by Dr. Mary Neal. She's a spine surgeon. And she had one of those NDEs or near-death experiences that you've heard about, you know, where people see like a light at the end of the tunnel or they see God or angels or something like that. And the afterlife, when they flatline, well, Dr. Neil was on a kayaking trip in Brazil and she goes over this waterfall and she drowns for a time. She flatlines. And eventually when rescue workers were able to bring her back after a long time being gone, you know, she, she was reflecting upon her experience because she wanted to make sure that her near-death experience wasn't just dreams, hallucinations, or neurochemicals. So after she went through this experience, she started to study all the different neurochemicals that supposedly cause near-death experiences like DMT, dimethyltryptamine, and others. And she concluded at the end of her study that she indeed had a spiritual experience of God and angels and of afterlife, just like 20 million other Americans have had. We'll link to her story on our social media if you want to watch her tell her story. Since that experience, she's written two books about it. But look, we're talking about a spine surgeon 
who's forgotten more about neurochemicals than most of us will ever know. And she concluded, and this woman is adamant about it, that her experience of afterlife was more real than this reality that we live in right now. See? So we should at least look into our own afterlives. See? But Revelation says that even in the afterlife, God is going to destroy those who destroy the earth. It's like when God finally puts his foot down and he says, hey, some of you like to say, you do you and I'll do me. But I'm telling you right now, I'm no longer going to allow you to do you because you do you is destroying the earth that I love. See, another thing that Revelation 11 tells us is that God's servants, both great and small, will be rewarded, you know? And that means a lot to me because, you know, as a pastor, you always think you're never doing enough, right? I think, oh, I should be doing more. You ever feel that? As you, you know, you're just a believer. You think, I should be doing more, you know? And it doesn't help when someone from church comes up to me like, hey, I visited another church out of town, you know, when I was gone. And man, it was so much bigger and better than City Tribe Church. I mean, they have campuses in every state and country and other solar systems, you know, or, or some people, you know, they play the big church card or other people come back and they say, oh, I went to this little church. It was in a house and the pastor knew everyone. It was way better, way more intimate than City Tribe Church is. You know what? That's when I want that uh, fire breathing gift. It's like, <laughs> okay, zip it. Killing me, Smalls. All right, but look, Revelation tells me whether my contribution is big or small, I'll be rewarded. And here's what I want you to know. The people that helped you park to come into church today, they'll be rewarded. The people that are right now serving in Kids City, some of you served the service before and you're attending this service, They'll be rewarded for serving our kids. Uh, people that serve as your greeters today, may, perhaps they ushered you to your seat, they'll be rewarded. People that serve at City Youth Teenagers, they'll be rewarded. People that serve on the, the bridge ministry, the, the bridge tribe that meets here, now they're helping people go from under the bridge and they're helping them move into apartments I'll tell you, they'll be rewarded. You know, people who serve in our cafe, our trustees advisory board, people who serve and cultivate groups to help people deal with hurts and wounds, they'll be rewarded. People who serve in our prayer ministry or people that uh, lead, as volunteers, they lead tribes, they'll be rewarded. People that serve in a you know, singing production crew, gonna be rewarded. And so I wanna ask you to do something here in just a minute, those of you that, Volunteer, but before I ask you to do something, I'm going to embarrass you, so just be prepared to stand up, okay? But um, you know what we call our volunteers around City Tribe? We call them the Eagles. I'll tell you why. Because they're rising above the selfishness of the age to help others be free of shame and guilt and experience the kingdom that is going on right now and will be in the future. And so those of you that volunteer in any capacity here at City Tribe Church, I wanna ask you to stand up. And I know you don't want to because you're humble, but just get over it and stand up for me right quick, okay? Look, look, look right here, just look right here just for a minute. Don't, don't clap for them yet. 
Not yet. Hold your applause to the end, please. I know there are a lot of times where you think to yourself, I don't want to get up that early and go do that. Are there evenings where you wish that you could stay home and binge Netflix? But here's what I want you to know. You'll be rewarded. And that's not coming from me. It's coming for someone that's way more powerful than we can imagine. It's coming from the word of God. And he says, every time you go down there, you don't want to do that. You don't want to run security or greet or whatever you're doing. You'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. And we honor you here. We love you here. We thank God for your contributions that you make here. So much so that we're going to have a volunteer dinner for you. The Eagle Dinner coming up on October the 22nd. Look in your email box. And if you didn't get the email uh, or somehow it went to your junk folder or you just hadn't looked at it yet, go see Margo right outside at the Tribe Connect tent before you leave today to make sure you're able to come because we want to honor you there. You guys join me in honoring the Eagles right now, thanking them for that. Thank you guys. You guys go ahead and be seated. And as we wrap up today, just let me pray for us. And as we bow before the Lord, perhaps some of you are thinking to yourselves, man, all that stuff about afterlife, I want to be prepared for it. Well, if you want to know that you'll be with him in eternity, just tell God right now, you know, God, I choose to believe that Jesus died for me on the cross, died for my sins. Just say it in your own heart between you and God. God, welcome in my life. And others of us are saying, hey, I want to serve in ways that I can in order to be rewarded by the one that matters most. Thank you for what you're doing among us, God. And we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, next Sunday, we're going to keep studying Revelation. We're going to study Revelation chapter 12 about the woman and the dragon, right? Some of you guys are like, yeah, I dated a woman who was a dragon. Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not that, but we'll be in Revelation chapter 12. And you know, uh, one of the ways that we worship is through our financial stewardship. Now, before I start talking about money, I want to give you a pass if you don't believe in Jesus, don't buy into all this or whatever, um, because, you know, this service is our gift to you. But if you do believe, or you say believe, Jesus says you put your money where your mouth is. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, it's, it's clear. It's simple. And we believe in bringing like a, what the Bible says, a first fruit, which is a first priority. You know that the way we're trying to do it is to pay our tithe, you know, and stuff first before the electric company, before any of our bills or anything, because it's more important to us to honor God first with our, what the Bible calls first fruits. It's just a first priority. And we bring the tithe here to the storehouse, the church where people are uh, experiencing God and growing in him and growing in the kingdom. So since we don't pass buckets or plates, here's how we get it done at City Tribe. You can mail your offerings into the P.O. Box number that's on screen, or you can text to tithe, or you can go to the giving stations in person. And one of the things that you'll notice about the giving station has a QR code, like when you go to the rest restaurant, and you just, if you don't want to wait in line, just QR code, and it'll take you to citytribe.church slash tithe. Uh, so it'll take you there where you can take it. So if you're worshiping online, you can just go to the website, citytribe.church 
slash tithe. So before you guys worship through your generosity, stand up with me real quick. And if you're with your crew, you can put an arm around someone or put a hand out in a position to receive. And let me speak some words of benediction over you. Dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, walk from here with the peace of knowing that you will not pass until you finish your testimony. So walk from here to finish your testimony. And no matter how discouraged you are, look up. God is preparing a table for you right now in the presence of your enemies. And keep up the good work because you will be rewarded. You guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.